I was going to say, that sounds familiar. <laughs> all right. Good morning. Hope you all had a good week. I had a good week. Mine was busy, but we're here. First Corinthians chapter 1. Where's Brother Nitton? It ain't happening again. Not today. I printed it out just in case this thing shuts off on me. All right. So at least I'll have it. But we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 very quickly. We only got through the first nine verses last week. Uh, can somebody tell me the two things we talked about last week? Very, very basic. I'm not, I don't want you to give me specifics about those first nine verses. But what was the first nine verses? What, what were we talking about? It's the first part of the letter, so it's pretty, pretty basic. What's the first part of a letter always? Huh? Yes, it was the greeting, and then the second part of those nine verses was what? Him giving what for the first Corinthians? Huh? I can't understand you, Jeff. He's giving thanks for them, remember? He was giving, oh, appreciation. Okay, My, our, uh, the language barrier got me there. But he was giving appreciation for them, for their gifts, and for uh, the things that they had been using uh, to further the work of the church there. Now, I was thinking about this while I was studying. Actually, let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Hopefully, I remember what I was thinking about while I was studying. As soon as we're done, let's pray, and we'll get into it. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I thank you for bringing us safely through another week uh, back to your house. God, I pray that we would take this seriously. Even though it's a Sunday school, it's a, a lighter uh, session, God, I pray that we would uh, be serious about what we're studying in your word, even on our, on our own uh, daily devotion and, and study time. And God, I just pray that you'd help us to be students of your word, understanding and knowing what we believe so that we can teach others also. And uh, God, I just pray that you bless this hour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. But I was thinking about as, as I was uh, studying this, this is the church at Corinth, all right? If Paul wrote a letter to the church at Henrico or the church at Goochland, there's a lot of churches here, right? Um, so think about what Paul's doing here. This is not, this is the church, but it's not very likely they're not meeting in a building, right? They're not, the whole church isn't coming to a meeting place. These are little house churches, which is why Chloe would have written, the house of Chloe would have written Paul and said, hey, we got some issues. Um, probably not huge, uh, gatherings at these homes, but, um, no doubt they would have at some points gotten together and, and, and Chloe would have realized, wow, some of these churches, maybe not the one she was at, but some of these churches were really having these doctrinal issues and some of these uh, separation issues and things. So, so she writes to Paul. But keep that in mind while we're going through this, that Paul, what they did is Paul would write this letter, send it back with Sosthenes, most likely, remember, in, in verse 1, and then that letter would have got circulated to all the little house churches in Corinth. And I think that's important because um, the reason I think that's important is because sometimes when we're in church and something gets preached on, we're not pointing names out, right? We're not, hey, Eric, this is your problem. The preacher doesn't do that. And so sometimes, even though it might be Eric's problem, he's going, man, who's he preaching to? But if this is going around to all these little churches, church groups and their problems are getting pointed out, 
they're, they're realizing he's talking to me. I need to fix this. So keep that in mind as we go through this. We're going to start in verse 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I do have a few verses that I'll have some of, some of y'all turn to. Um, not a ton of them today. But uh, Brother Kevin, can you go to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10? We'll get there in a second. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren. And remember, I, t- I said this when we, were, when we started. You can kind of see when Paul s- starts a new topic. He says now, right? And you'll see that in verse, in, uh, when, we, when he goes through the different issues they had asked about. Now, not the things necessarily that he was saying, hey, you need to correct this. But when he gets to the issues they had asked about, he says, I think it's in chapter 8, now concerning marriage. And then in the next topic, he says, now concerning the offerings. Now, so this is a, a change of subject. So verses 1 through 9, he greets them, gives thanks for them, and then says in verse 10, sorry, now, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. It's an interesting verse because Paul do, is doing here what I think sometimes our pastor or pastors do. They're trying to address a heavy topic, and do it as, as lightly as possible, right? Not jokingly, but they're saying, you'll hear a pastor say this, hear me out, hear me out. I'm going to teach something today. Hear me out. Go all the way to the end before you make your judgment call. That's what Paul is doing here because he's giving them the cure for this issue they have before he even talks about it, all right? Because in verse 11, he starts into this topic of the divisions in the church. But he says in verse 10, and I, got, I wrote some notes down here so I wouldn't forget them, but um, he asks them. He, he's not saying, you know, I started this church as soon as I left. You know, we joke around sometimes like at work if there's an issue, I'll, I'll joke around. I left y'all for five minutes. I left for five minutes and y'all let everything fall apart. Paul's not saying, hey, I left and y'all let the church get. He's saying, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, he's, this is not necessarily... An authority thing now. Remember last week we talked about he's he's writing this letter on the authority of Jesus Christ. It's mentioned ten times in the in the first couple chapters. That's not what he's doing here. This is not an authority thing. This is a hey, I'm begging you, not for my sake, but for Jesus Christ, for the church that we talked about last week, that he died for. In the name, uh, verse 10, it, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that ye all speak the same thing. I read this and I wrote it down. I think it's interesting. He says, if you have any regard to that dear name by which ye are called, please be unanimous is kind of what he's saying. He's like, this is, this is Christ's church. If you have any regard for that name, listen to what I'm going to say about divisions, okay? And then he says uh, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, this is interesting. I got a few spots in this lesson today that, I, that are the focus of the lesson. This is one of them. Unity in the church. This is not unity among the universal church. That's not what he's asking for. And when I say universal Christians in general uh, or any denomination like, like we try to do now, uh, we don't care what denomination you are. Come on in. We're going to have this you know, stadium full, and we're going to baptize people. That's not the unity Paul's talking about. He's talking about these local assemblies. You've got to have unity. Speak the, speak the same thing. 
Be no divisions among you. Be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And he's not saying that there can't be any differences among you. In our church, we're going to have, you know, this, this place will be fairly full this morning, hopefully. There'll be differences of opinion, differences of some uh, points of doctrine. That's, we, we interpret the Bible certain ways. We have that liberty as Christians. But Paul is saying, don't let some of those small things run you out of the church or or get into fights and split churches churches split and i don't need to remind y'all or let y'all know churches split over silly silly things and that's kind of what paul's saying here don't let some of that silly stuff split you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment now remember the church of jesus christ is is um pictured as a what in the new testament what is it pictured as it's pictured as a bride. Do you have something else, Miss Barbara? Think about, think about a body. That's what I'm looking for. It's pictured as a body, right? And, and Paul even says that. He says if the whole body was an ear, <laughs> I mean, that's going to be, for one, it's going to be silly looking, but where would be the smelling, he says. He says if the whole body was a nose, where would be the hearing? So we are a body that we all have to work together in order to make that body work the way it's supposed to. And that's what he's talking about here. Perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And I don't have the Greek word for it, but he is referring to, in, in the Greek, he is referring to here the body of Christ, the, the body in general. And he's talking about how painful it is when the body is broken, right? Uh, Jackson stepped on a nail last week, right? He doesn't just go on as normal because it hurts and the whole body is affected. So when something in the church, a part of the church, the part of the body of the church is broken or having issues, the whole church feels it. We don't just, oh yeah, that's just him. That's the way he acts. Nothing, no problem. The whole church feels it. So that's what Paul's referring to here. So we're going to move along verses 11 and 12. We're going to get into these divisions that are in the church and we're familiar with them. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. But I want to. I want you to. Um, I want to talk about some of the differences uh, that these groups had. So, uh, Brother Kevin, Proverbs chapter thirteen, verse ten. This is this is a verse that I think anytime there's any kind of contention in a church, a preacher should be able to get up, read this verse, and it fixes it. Fortunately, it do, unfortunately it doesn't, but he should be able to. Proverbs chapter thirteen, verse ten. Only by pride cometh contention. No, 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 it's his fault. There has to be pride on both parts for there to be contention. And if you've been in church any length of time, and most of you have, if not all of you have, you can see that. Maybe one, more, one person seems to be more of the problem, but if the other one did what Christ advises us to do and forgive and let it go, there wouldn't be that contention. Only by pride cometh contention. Extremely important Verse. So verse 11, we get into these divisions. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Verse 12, now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. So we got four divisions. Remember, I said there are, these were house churches, very likely. And I think that's important because I don't believe that you had a body coming together on Sundays and saying, I follow Paul, I follow Peter. 
That's not what was happening. But these little house churches were saying, oh, we're a house church that follows Paul. So the whole group was united following Paul, but not united among the rest of the, the Christians in Corinth. So that's, that's why that's important. So you have, and these are all alliterated, uh, but you have the proud pupils of Paul there in verse 12. And somebody tell me what these, what, the, what um, nationality these would have been. Think about what we've talked about all the way up till now. What nationality would have been the followers of Paul? Gentiles, but they would have been, they would have been Greeks. Greek Gentiles, they're Gentiles, but they would have been Greeks um, following Paul. Remember, Paul went to the Jews, they rejected what he had, so he went to the Gentiles, and they followed him. So they're, they're following Paul because he's, in their opinion, the father of the church at Corinth. He started it. So in their mind, we're the ones that are right, right? Because we're following exactly what Paul, who founded this church, said. Then you go, to, still in verse 12, you have these admirers of Apollos. Remember Acts chapter 18. Aquila and Priscilla uh, led Apollos to Christ. Well, they didn't lead him to Christ. He was from Egypt. He was, he was a, a follower of Christ, but they uh, grounded him, basically. Remember? They said they taught him for a while, and the things he didn't know or the things he was uh, teaching but didn't, really didn't understand the deeper meaning of, they got him grounded. But he comes to Corinth, and... So now they have admirers of Apollos, of Apollos in Corinth. And Apollos, so, and we'll see this here later, even in this, in this lesson at the end of uh, chapter 1. But Paul was not proud of this fact, but he purposely didn't speak real eloquently. I think he could have. Because, um, I mean, we talked about this. I'm not going to go over it all, but remember his upbringing. I mean, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He knew, he was smart, he, and all the way through 1 Corinthians, and, and I may touch on it a few times here, but if you read through there, all over the place, he refers back and quotes the Old Testament even. Paul knew what he was doing. He, he's no slouch, but he purposely doesn't preach and speak real eloquently because he doesn't want to take away from the cross. Well, these followers of Apollos are actually upset with Paul for not speaking eloquently. They're like, look at Apollos. He's an eloquent speaker. Right? He was an Alexandrian Jew, and, and what, I was, what I studied and read, it was probably the ones objecting to Paul's lack of rhetoric and philosophy that are following Apollos, Apollos because he has all that. And so, in their mind now, they're going, well, Paul's, he's kind of a dummy. We like, now, and think about this. We do this ourselves. And I, it's not necessarily always a bad thing. Sometimes it's, it's just a preference, and usually it's a preference. But you'll say, man, I really like this preacher. Man, he can, he can preach. That's what these guys are doing. That's some of the differences. It's not doctrinal issues. It's we, we like Apollos better, but they were making a big deal about it. And, and the ones that were following Paul, they're, re, they're rejecting them because of it. Okay. So then you have the circle of Cephas, right? Verse 12 still, and I of Cephas. And, you know, we have, there's so much to those few words, I of Cephas. Doesn't sound like a big deal, but, the, but is this underlying uh, current of, of, in just those few words, I of Cephas. It's, it's their uh, identity. I'm of Cephas. 
And then the last one you have, and we'll come back to Cephas in a second, Eye of Christ. Probably the best group, right? They're of Christ. But they're so proud of the fact that I am of Christ that it was actually a hindrance to them too. But you have these from uh, of Cephas. Cephas, Peter, never visited Corinth. But you have these that were following him. Well, very likely he would have written the church of Corinth. And they're going, well, Paul's the, the leader or the founder of the church at Corinth, but Peter was the founder of the church in general in their minds. And so they're following Peter. Jews who are rejecting Paul, right? Because they didn't believe he was even an apostle, so they would have been following Peter. And then you have those that were following Christ. And uh, I, wrote, I wrote this down here. Let's see. Okay. I want to read... Well, verse 13, Paul, Paul mentions those few groups, and then he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He's trying to show them how ridiculous they're being. We're all under Christ because of Christ is why we are, uh, we are Christians, because it's why we are what we are. Uh, so Paul has his response here. Uh, and that he starts in verse 13 with his response to this. And he says, uh, think about the ministry of Jesus Christ. Christ is united with God. He doesn't try to, you know, hey, follow me, follow me. He says, follow me uh, because I and my father are one, right? Follow me. But, but he's not trying to take away from his father like Satan tried to do. So Jesus Christ perfect is the perfect example, but he is united with God. But this is important because I think, um, and I could be wrong, I've only ever been in the independent fundamental Baptist movement my whole life. That's what I've been. So I don't know if other churches are this way or not, but I know independent Baptists can be. Not necessarily are, but can be. Following men. And that's what Paul is saying here. He said, did, did uh, verse 13, was Paul crucified for you? He's saying, who, who redeemed you? Who died for you and saved your soul? Who was it? This is Paul's response to all this division. It was Jesus Christ. He redeemed us, but it's easier to follow man than Christ. Remember the, and, and, uh, remember the uh, children of Israel. The second Moses was gone and they, they didn't see God anymore. Where is, where is he at? What's going on? What did they do? They turned to an idol, and they turned to Aaron, who was not God's man. He was a priest, but he was not God's man to lead the children of Israel, and immediately they turn away from it. And I think that's what we, we tend to do. Because we can't see Christ, because we, it's all by faith, when we get a big name or a good speaker up leading a church, we gravitate toward that man instead of Christ, and that's what was going on with these divisions. Paul says, uh, well, then we, so we have the ministry of Christ, and next I want to talk about the ministry of Paul. Look at verses 14 through 17. <clears throat> and Paul's making an extremely important point here. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. We already mentioned that, but he says, I, I, I'm 
sent to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, because I don't want to take away from what Jesus did on the cross. But this is important too. Baptism and salvation, this is a perfect example of them being separate. They're not the same thing. Um, and many teach that. Um, and, and not to take away, but Nitin will tell you that's what the Indian Christians teach. Baptism is your salvation into the church. Now, they, they always have another experience, you know, something that was my salvation. But the baptism is what solidifies, all right, I'm a Christian now. Paul is saying here, so if, if Paul only baptized Crispus, you remember who Crispus was too, by the way. Anybody remember Acts chapter 18? We talked about his second missionary journey. He was the original ruler of the synagogue before Sosthenes took over. So Crispus became a follower of Christ. Paul baptized him. And then Sosthenes took over and we saw Sosthenes eventually get saved. And we saw him in verse 1 of, of chapter 1 here. But he, he baptized Crispus, Gaius, which you see uh, he, was, he was an Ephesian uh, Christian, and then the household of Stephanus. And he says, besides that, I don't know if I baptized anybody else. So Paul is one of the greatest missionaries, if not the greatest missionary that's ever been. And he only saw, well, two people in a household saved. If baptism is part of it, that's the point Paul's making here. Baptism isn't part of salvation, and you're not baptized in my name. That's why I don't baptize you, so that you don't go, oh, Paul baptized me. That's what he's saying here. He said, you're baptized in the name of Christ. Uh, that's why we say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We're not baptizing you into a church. We're not baptizing you into, uh, as a follower of a certain person. We're baptizing you as a way of showing your consecration to Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's talking about here. Um, all right, so baptism is the ministry. Paul says, baptism is not my ministry. Preaching is, in verse 17. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach. This is his priority, to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And uh, let's see. Where's the verse I had? Um, I, I don't see it. I wrote it down somewhere, and I must have... It either didn't make it here or I, or I didn't write it down and I was just looking at it. But um, the cross of Christ is, is our power. We're going to get to it here in a minute. Um, but anyway, Paul is saying preaching is my, preaching is my priority here. Um, okay, wrote a, message, uh, a note there, but we already covered it. So we're going to move along. So those are the divisions. Paul's, Paul's talking about the sin of, of following human leaders. Don't do it. He says, follow Christ. And in verse 10, we already mentioned this, but he's saying, this is how you fix that. Unity under Christ. And I wrote a note here. I think I remember who the preacher was, but I'm not going to say it just in case. But I have a note in my Bible in the margin next to verse 10. It says, this kind of unity comes among a church full of people who believe the same thing. When you try to create when you try to create unity among people who believe differently, you simply create compromise because every man must drop to the lowest common denominator. And then next to it, it says, stand fast. He's saying, don't, don't drop what you believe just to have unity. But we all need to be believing the same thing, be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment up here, right, under Christ. Um, so 
important point. I, I wrote that note in there, and as I was studying, I saw that. I think it's important to know. Okay, then verse 18, we're going to start on another topic where Paul changes topics a little bit about, instead of talking about division, now he's talking about favoring human wisdom. And if you, you don't have notes, but if, I, if you go back and remember, second or third week, we talked about the content of 1 Corinthians, and we said there's uh, seven things that, issues they had, and then six uh, things, questions they had. This is the second of those issues that Paul has, and it's favoring earthly wisdom. So verse 18 says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. That's the verse I was looking for, verse 18. But to, unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The preaching of the cross is the power of God. And I don't want to get ahead of myself because there's a lot of good stuff in here. But uh, let's see. Brother Nitton, can you go to Job chapter 5, verse 12, and Miss Neha, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 14. And we'll read these in a second. Um, Isaiah chapter 59 is talking, is telling us where human wisdom gets us. And Job is along the same line. But um, we have a reaction here to God's plan which is the preaching of the cross. That's God's plan. In verse 19, you start with the insufficiency of human wisdom. Paul starts talking about how insufficient human wisdom is. Brother Nitton, you there? Okay, go ahead and read that for us, please. 512. What is the first part? He disappointed the devices of the crafty. This is this is this is what I mean. I, people, humans, man, we think we're so smart, you know. And we were listening to something in our uh, family devotions the other day, and it's it's something we don't really think about. But um, Noah was six hundred years old, right, when he started building the ark. Imagine the imagine the experience. Imagine the knowledge of everything that he had 600 years you know brother bill how long you been painting 40 some years he's an expert imagine having done it for 550 years there no, there wouldn't be anything you didn't know about painting and even that god says he disappoints the devices of the crafty the guy that's always just one step ahead of everybody else being slick he disappoints it and what that means is he frustrates it he confuses it so that uh what's the last part of the verse say so their hands cannot perform their enterprise interesting verse miss neha isaiah chapter 59 verse 14 yes I'm going here myself. You don't have to turn here, but this is where man's wisdom gets us. Judgment is turned away backward. Justice standeth afar off, and truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter because of man's wisdom, if you look at the context. This is what happened by them trying to follow man, and this is what Paul's trying to fix. He's trying to tell them, please, don't follow human wisdom. Um, all right, we're going to move along here. So 
verse, verse 20, Paul, Paul addresses what some of these people were to themselves, right? Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? I mean, that's Jews. He's talking to the Jews very particularly here. Where is this disputer of this world? The followers of Apollos. These, these eloquent uh, people that are trying everything they can to, to be wise and to, be, to understand what's going on in the world. Those were the followers of Apollos. Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Good point. We could talk about this. And that's what I'm saying. We're, this is an overview of 1 Corinthians. There's messages everywhere in 1 Corinthians. We're not going to dive deep into those. We're kind of uh, skimming the surface here. But he, he very specifically points out some of what he's dealing with in the divisions. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? He talks about all three groups that, uh, besides Christ, uh, of those groups that were divisions. All right? So that's the social argument that he has for them. And then he has a spiritual argument for them. Uh, and there was something I wanted to point out, and I'm, I'm not seeing it, but... Okay, the power of God. Verse, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross, cross is to them that perish foolish, foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. What's the opposite of foolishness? Wisdom, not power. That's what Paul is pointing out here. He said, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to the saved, it's wisdom. No, it's not. It's the power of the cross. Very interesting, uh, the power of God. Interesting uh, way Paul puts it there. But it's not, it's not our wisdom. It's our power. That's what we rely on, the power of God. The, the preaching of the cross is, is power to us, not necessarily wisdom. All right, I wanted to point that out. Okay. Stop. Let's see. Correct. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It, there's, <laughs> it's, there's so much here. We're skimming the surface. But yes, I agree 100%. Uh, it's from the heart. And, and Paul talks about that in other places. Okay. I want to I point these out too because remember, again, this is school. Who is Paul preaching to here? Or who is he writing to? What two? Basically two nationalities. Jews and Greeks. So, in verse 22, he says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. I'm going to read a few verses here about these, the Jews he's talking about here. Uh, Brother Nate, can you look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 39? And Sarah, can you look at John chapter 4, verse 48? <clears throat> the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks uh, seek after wisdom. This is a direct quote from the Old Testament, by the way. Um, but we're not going to go find it. But it's a direct quote uh, from the Old Testament saying that, that the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But, uh, Brother Nate, you there? Yes. Matthew chapter 12, verse 39. Who's speaking here? Jesus. Jesus Christ. He say Paul is Paul is quoting Christ. The Jews 
An evil and adulterous nation require a sign. And, and Matthew chapter 16, verse 4 says exactly the same thing with John 4, 48. Talking to the Jews again. You won't believe unless you see signs and wonders. And that's what Paul's addressing here. The Jews require a sign. They won't believe unless they see a sign. And the Greeks seek after wisdom, which we already addressed, those that were following Apollos. But, but Paul is pointing out here, we don't need any of that. We need the power of the cross. That's all we need. All right. Then he talks about verses 26 through 31, <clears throat> the sufficiency of of God's wisdom. It's sufficient. We don't need anything else. Um, and this, these are some interesting verses, but look at verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that many, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to the, confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. This should be an encouraging verse to us. It is to me. I know, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I know that I am not. There's some people that, you know, they get up and speak, and I'm like, man, I never thought of that, let alone developed, you know, a whole message on it. Or, or gee, even if it's just a, a <clears throat> we went to the ark and Ken Ham, I mean, a genius when it comes to topics on creation and the things that they they look into maybe that the bible doesn't specifically talk about but they do research and they and they help uh prove uh the creation model or whatever else and there's some of those things that i'm like man i never even thought of that but paul is saying here be encouraged because uh verse 26 not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. You don't think that, uh, you know, you're a very good speaker or you don't know what to say when you talk to somebody about salvation. Be encouraged. That's who God uses if our hearts are clean, if our lives are right. But that's who he uses to bring to naught the things that are. That For what purpose? And we're almost done here. We just got a couple minutes left before Sunday school is over. But for what purpose? Why does he use the base things? Without looking, does anybody know? You, do you know your Bible? That's the reason. So that he gets the glory. He doesn't use the wise. He doesn't use the mighty. He can. And I wrote some verses down. Uh, let's see. Jeremiah chapter 9 verses. Uh, that's not it. Where are my verses? Here we go. Romans chapter 16 verse 23. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 5, Acts chapter 10, verse 1. Those are some examples of mighty men uh, that God used in the New Testament. Men that had high class that got saved, accepted Christ, and he used them. So he doesn't say none, but he says not many. I don't use very many of them. And the reason is because when they are successful, they get the glory. So he says, I use the, I use the foolish things. I use the weak things uh, to confound, of the world to confound the mighty and the base things of the world. He's not saying, you know, I only use, you know, guys that are dirty and haven't had a shower in a week. He's saying the base things who, especially in their own mind, man, I, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. 
If you read D.L. Moody's uh, biography, that's why God used him. Because D.L. Moody knew he had a fifth grade education. And he knew it. He was not wise. Now, he worked hard and he studied hard so that he would know what he's talking about and, and knew and was self-taught after that. But he had a, his formal education went to fifth grade. That's why God used him. So that he could get the glory. I think that's such an important thing to remember. Verse 29, Brother Nate already read it, that no flesh, why do I do this? use these people? That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. But verse 30 is important too. Jesus Christ is everything that we need. He is our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. Paul, Paul is not ranting here. He's teaching. This is why we don't have divisions and follow men. Because Christ and the cross is everything that we need. And those of Apollos, stop thinking you're so smart. Stop being so eloquent up in the pulpit and just preach the cross. That's what he's saying uh, to these people. All right. We are going to get into chapter 2 next week. But chapter 2 uh, continues on with this wisdom of the world. He goes all the way through verses, verse 13, uh, still talking about the wisdom of the world. So we'll touch pretty lightly on it and then get into the next topic, um, which begins in chapter 2, verse 14. But we'll do that next week. All right, let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you again for this day you've given us. Thank you for my friends that are here. God, I pray that you would give us a desire uh, to learn your word, but a desire to, to meditate on it, a desire to study it, a desire to, to look into and see where Paul's coming from. And as, as he's, we read in verse 29, so that you can get the glory in our lives, not just in our church, but in our whole lives, uh, that we would give glory to you. God, I pray that we would uh, study to understand what we believe, but not be uh, reliant on eloquence or wisdom. We'd be reliant on the cross. It is our power. It is what we need to be useful for you. And I pray that you'd help us uh, to remember that. And uh, God, that we would keep ourselves humble so that we can be used by you. Pray that you bless this next hour. Be with our pastor. Pray that you give him uh, words to say, but that you'd fill him with your power as we talked about this morning. That you'd uh, give us what we need in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're dismissed.